Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I'm excited to share this message with you today. I pray the Lord ministers to you as you listen. I'm pointing out that when, you know, in, in Revelation chapter 4, Jesus said to John, the apostle, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after these things. How many understand that your heavenly seat, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, John said, your heavenly seat gives you eternal perspective. So you see things not as they are, but as God, saw, as God planned them. And then you begin to pray, your prayers become prophecy and your words become worlds. And instead of being under the circumstances, you're over the circumstances and you begin to dictate not just what the devil's doing bad, but what God wants to do well. Are you with me? Can I just say this? Like we got to get out of complaining mode. And we, you know what complaining is to the devil? What praise is to God. We got to get out of complaining mode and we got to get out of, we are victims mode. No, whether you believe it or not, as the earth, we live in the most prosperous time in the history of the world. As earth, I'm not saying you are, you're like, you haven't been to my house. Well, you paid $400 to get here, so you're more prosperous than probably most people. And I received that money, so I've become more prosperous than most people too. (sighs) I'm being a little funny. My point is this. I'm saying I can get almost anywhere in the world in a plane in one day or two. I'm in an air-conditioned building. I drive a car. I eat food from all over the world. I can eat pineapple in the winter. I can eat bananas in the winter in America. I'm pointing out that you live better than a king did just a hundred years ago, and you're still complaining. It all depends on where your eyes are. You're not a victim. You just say it out loud. I'm not a victim. You are not a victim. You're not a victim. Stop it. <laughs> uh, I could offend you all, but I'll wait for another day or two. So when the Lord raised you up and seated you in heavenly places, Jesus made the statement, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. If you have all authority, then that means someone has none. Okay, this is just like simple math. I didn't do well in school, but this part I got. (laughs) If I have all the pie, Daniel's got none of the pie. (laughs) Okay, like this is deep, I get. But if you have, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore you make disciples of nations and somehow it's attached to you having authority. All right? So you have all authority. That means that you have something that you may not know you have. Do you know what I mean? That you actually are anointed to shift culture. Are you with me? You're not just anointed because you're a Christian, but you happen to be prophetic people and prophets. So underneath...
underneath. Like you look like an everyday housewife. You look like a doctor. You look like a nurse, but actually you're a reformer. You've actually been endowed with power. Remember Jesus told the disciples who after three and a half years, he goes, don't leave here. Don't leave here till you receive what the father promised. And when you do, you'll be endowed with power. The word deutimus, we get our word dynamite from it. He said, listen, you're going to stay here until you are filled with dynamite. Then I'm going to let you go. And what's the first thing that happened that blew up? Holy Ghost. They began to prophesy in different languages. You're a superhero and you're the only one who doesn't know it. The angels know it. The Lord knows it. The devil knows it. The devil's after me. He's been disarmed and defeated. He got no arms or feet. I'll just picture that. He was disarmed and defeated at the cross. You are running from a guy that can't even chase you. Got no arms or feet. This is deep. They want me to go first so I get you really deep and then they can give you the simple stuff later. I want to show you something. Ephesians 6.10, if you haven't seen this, if, would you turn to the book of Ephesians? It's the last chapter, chapter 6. You probably have read this chapter many times. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. Now, I want you to look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. If you have a New American Standard, it says rulers. See the first one? Rulers? Okay, I think if uh, NIV says uh, powers or something. That first struggle, and by the way, Paul's not saying I'm struggling against demons. He's talking about he's a world changer and he's struggling against world forces of darkness. These are principalities. These aren't, these aren't demons. The first principality he mentioned is called rulers. Do you see it? I want you to actually look at it. If you underline your Bible, you should circle the word rulers or whatever. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against whatever that word is, circle that word. Because that Greek word is actually the word origin. O-R-G-I-N, origin. You're like, okay, what does that mean? Okay, demons are named after the impact they have on humans. We heard tonight about, who was it? I forget. Somebody was sharing, Bethany, I think, sharing that Jesus' name means Savior, Redeemer. His name, he has a name that, has, that says, this is how I affect humans. Demons have names, and their names are determined, they're like a disease. Like, this is the effect they have on humans. Are you with me? For example, remember when Jesus cast out the deaf and dumb spirit, and the boy could what? He could hear and talk. Now, the name of the demon isn't deaf and dumb. We call them by the name, that, by the effect they have on humans. Am I making any sense? Okay, this is gonna be important, so follow me for a minute. So why is the demon or the spirit 
named Origen because that spirit is in charge of, of perverting the origins of creation. Okay, I'm gonna show you where the word is. If you, have a, a, if you have a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter four and look at verse 15. Look at this, verse 15, if you're there. It reads like this. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, that's New American Standard, the first preaching, the two words first preaching are actually the Greek word origin. Okay, you're like, what the heck are you talking about? Paul, when Paul said to the Philippians, hey, you, were, you also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, the word first preaching, Paul saying, when I laid the origins by teaching you, I was laying the origins, I was telling you about how God created everything. The word first preaching is the exact word origin. Are you with me? And I'm pointing out that this demonic spirit actually questions and its job is to change the origins of God. Follow me for a minute. This spirit says, are you really created in the image of God or are you an evolutionized ape? See, I don't know if you believe in evolution or not. If you do, good for you. Maybe that's where your ancestors came from. <laughs> Mine did not. I don't trace mine back to Neanderthal. I chase mine back to Jesus. I was made in his image and in his likeness. And the problem with evolution is that I trace my lineage back to something that isn't God. How about this one? This one's, this one's good. Are you sure that's a baby? Maybe it's a fetus. We used to say, is that a boy or a girl? Now we have to say, is this one human? You know why it doesn't sound ridiculous? You know why some of you are angry already? Because you're being influenced by a spirit. That even though what you believe is totally irrational, you believe with your whole heart because it isn't you thinking for you. How about this one? Are you really a boy? Maybe you're a girl. You think that is a human thought, it isn't. But the reason why a psychologist can't cure it is because it's not a first heaven problem, it's a second heaven problem. <clears throat> a friend of mine has a two year old, uh, I, think she, I think he's almost three at this time, and he was, she had him in the cart and she, has a, she had two more that were walking and one little one in the cart, two and a half year old. And she's, he's walking with the cart and he looks up at her and he goes, mom, I am not a girl, I am a boy. And she said, yeah, you're a boy. He goes, no mom, I am not a girl, I am a boy. You know what's happening to that boy? He's going through spiritual warfare. He sensed a spirit trying to already tell him he was a girl. His mother picked up on it on the second, I'm not a girl. And she said, you are not a girl, you are a boy. You were born to be a boy, you are made in the image of God, God made you, he formed you in the womb. 
Are you with me? I'm pointing out that there is a war that's going on that isn't with humans. They are the victims of a war. And when we engage first heaven, the first heaven, we actually do the enemy's work for him. Okay. Welcome to the School of Prophets, day one. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Martha, he's using the Bible at least. (laughs) Verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many... Who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the greatest, smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when, uh, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and about the name of Jesus Christ, they began baptized, baptizing men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip as he observed the signs and the great miracles taking place. And he was constantly amazed. Verse 14. Well, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I I just want to point out some things about warfare. I want to point out that the power of God displaces the powers of darkness. But the government of God replaces the powers of darkness. Philip goes down to Samaria and he has a great revival. Signs and wonders and miracles, people getting saved, delivered and healed. And what's happening with their magic arts are being blown up. Simon the sorcerer, who's called the great power of God, gets converted. And all of a sudden, the entire city of Samaria comes to the Lord. What's the first thing that happens? Philip is an evangelist. And by the way, he's the only named evangelist in the entire New Testament. He's an evangelist. He brings the power of God. Remember what happens? Angel of the Lord comes to Philip and goes, hey, leave the revival and go to the desert road. And Philip goes to the desert road. He gets there just in time to see the Ethiopian eunuch reading a Bible that he can't understand. Jumps in the chariot with the guy and goes, can you understand that? The guy goes, no, what does this mean? And he begins to preach Christ to him. Remember this? And then the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, can I get baptized? Evidently said something about baptism because the Ethiopian eunuch's response was, can you baptize me? He baptizes them in the river and what happens to Philip? He gets transported. We're not talking about new age here. We're talking about the Bible. I don't know if you know this, but the greatest revival in the first century church was not in Samaria. It wasn't in Jerusalem. 
It was in Ethiopia. The Ethiopian eunuch went back to Ethiopia, history tells us, and led the queen to the Lord. God knows what he's doing. I feel the stop right now and say, some of you, the Lord sent you to a desert road and you're like, what did I do wrong? And the Lord's like, the eunuch's coming. You think you got demoted and the Lord like, I know, I'm a strategic thinker. I know how to change the world. But here's what I really want to key in on in the last the next few minutes. Philip displays the power of God. He drives the demonic forces out of Samaria. I know that this is a very small example, but I think that's what happened to Lewiston that night. The prince over that little city, can I say over our Trinity County, which is a very large county, was broken. It took a year of prayer, which I had no idea we were doing. I mean, I didn't have any idea we were, we were affecting the heavens, I mean. And then there was a showdown, and the Lord just happened to know what day that would happen and put 27 or 28 people with me that night, the only night they ever came. What's the chances? We prayed that night, and something broke over that community. It's still broken today. You can go there now, and it's, it's, it's an inexpensive community, but it's a very nice community with ballparks, and a, they remodeled the gym. Beautiful place. What happened? The prince of the power of the air that was over that place was broken. But how many know, it wasn't just broken, we stayed there for five years and established the kingdom. Are you with me? See, Napoleon said the object of war is victory, but the object of victory is occupation. I think that Christians are accustomed to victories with no occupation. Do you know why? Because we don't understand authority. Here we go. We don't understand authority. <laughs> you might not like this part, but I'm going to do it anyway. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Are you guys okay for time? Because yes. I'm going to take another 15 minutes. I'm already, that clock says I'm over time, but I don't know who, whoever did that works for me. <laughs> you should fix that. I got... You never know what could happen when I take this off, start doing weird things. Okay, look at it, chapter, uh, did I say? Yeah, chapter 8 of Matthew. Do you see it? Jesus entered Capernaum, and a centurion came, imploring him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another come, and he comes. And to this slave, do this. And he does it. And Jesus goes on to say, of the centurion, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Remember, this guy is a Roman. I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Okay, let's just break this down for a second. You probably read the story many times. You're like, yeah, it's a great story. No, no, it's an incredible story. This man says to Jesus, my servant's sick. Jesus is like, great, I'll go to your house and heal him. He goes, not necessary. And then he looks at Jesus and he knows something that most Christians don't know. 
He said, I can see that you are a man under authority. I, I see it. And I understand it because I'm a man under authority. When I say to this, that, that soldier, go, or that slave, go, he goes. The connotation is, he doesn't go because of who I am, he goes because of who Caesar is. And he said, I'm a man under authority. I'm under Caesar, and I'm, I'm in submission to his mission, that's how I got commissioned. I have authority, not because of who I am, but because of the position I take under Caesar. And I can see, Jesus, I can see you have the same situation going on. You're always talking about your father. You don't do anything unless you see your father doing it. I don't do anything unless Caesar tells me to do it. I get that you are a man not on your own mission, but you are another man's mission. And therefore, you have authority. So don't come to my house, just say the word. Now, okay, if you watched, if you listened to the centurion, and you didn't know the rest of the story, you think the centurion's going to say, send one of your disciples, because I know he's gonna carry the same authority you have, just like my soldiers carry the same authority I have, because I'm under Caesar and they're under me. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't say, I know you're busy. You got 12 guys, send, you know, send Thomas, it'll be, I doubt that, but. I mean, you think the guy is going to say, I know you're really busy, send one of your disciples. But he doesn't do it. He says, speak the word and my servant will be healed. Think about this. I know you've read the story a thousand times. Think about how this applies to you. The centurion knows that somebody's gonna go heal his servant. But he's not human. You didn't get what I just said. This guy understands that when Jesus speaks the word, remember he said, my servants do what I tell them, your servants do what you tell them. But he's not talking about the servants he can see, he's talking about the servants you can't see. <laughs> Hebrews 1 says that angels are servants of those who receive salvation. This centurion doesn't even know... He, <laughs> He doesn't even know the Torah, but he can see what most Christians can't see. He's like, you don't have to come to my house because you have servants like I have servants, and when you speak the word, they go out and carry out your word. Don't have to come, send the angels. I'm saying we're in a war and we all know about demons, but we don't know a freaking thing about angels. And we are getting killed because all we do is run around and the devil's chasing me, the devil's chasing me, the devil's chasing me. Like, where have all the angels gone? <laughs> I'm pointing out that I believe, this is Chris Vallotton, not Bill Johnson, so I'm not putting this on Bill. I believe that principalities live in people. Okay, think about this. Jesus said, when you cast a demon out of a person, that if you don't fill it with Holy Spirit, it becomes seven demons worse than the first. So there are levels. Come back, right? He said they, now it depends on the version of your Bible. They either look for waterless places 
or they actually look for a place where there's water. It's not clear in the Greek, and therefore it's translated both ways. The point is that they prefer to live in a human, not a pig. They'd rather live in a human. I'm saying the most preferred place to live in the whole demonic world is someone who reminds you of God. You ever notice that there are no angels possessing humans? You know why? They have a covering. But when angels disobeyed God, they lost their covering. And you know where they want to be? In someone that reminds them of the image of God. The best house in the universe for a demon is a human. I'd like to propose that when Simon, the sorcerer, gets delivered from the, by the power of God through Philip, that... It's <laughs> getting too weird for some of you. The principality was driven out of Samaria because he lived in Philip. I'm sorry, he lived in Simon. And they instantly knew, if we drive the spirit out, we better put the government of God in. Because just like a human, cities have the same problem. You cast the demon out of a city, you have a great crusade. You never notice what happens after great crusades? I can tell you, go back and look. Usually after a great crusade comes a great demonic outpouring. Why? Because the devil doesn't like getting kicked out of his house. And we haven't been smart enough to understand what's really going on. That we are not in a tussle, we're in a war. And we have two-thirds of the armies with us. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And not only that, but the Lord said, I have all authority. How I many you know the devil has power? He has dudamus. Jesus said, I'm going to give you power, dudamus, over all the power, dudamus, of the enemy. So how I many you know I have a greater weapon than he has? But he can't use it because he's unauthorized. He has no authority. Think about a police officer. A police officer has a gun. He has dudamus. But he also has a badge. He has exousia. He can use his power, because he's authorized. The only way the devil gets to use his power is when he can convince a human to give it to him because he lost it on the cross. <laughs> Do you know this story? Do you know that God put Adam and Eve over the earth? Right? You know this? He said, subdue the earth. God gave Adam and Eve power over the earth. When Adam ate the fruit, he didn't just disobey God. That's, that's not true. He did not just disobey God. He obeyed the devil. God said, don't eat the fruit. The devil said, eat the fruit. And, and Adam changed masters. God said, Adam, I give you all authority over the earth. Adam goes, I'll give it to the devil. And God goes, now I have to come as a man. Because how many know he gave authority to man? So how many know the son of God had to become the son of man so the son of man could be sons of God? Jesus had to beat him as a man because he gave authority to men. So when he rose from the dead, how many know if the devil would have understood what was happening on the cross, he would have killed everyone who was trying to kill Jesus. 
When Jesus rose from the dead and said, all authority has been given to me, who, you remember in um, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, are, am I boring you? Am I going to him? Remember Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the, it's the story of temptation, of the temptation. It says Jesus was led in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Did you notice Jesus told us to pray in Matthew 6, lead us not into temptation? But do you know the Holy Spirit led him into temptation on purpose? Did you notice that? Do you know why? No, Chris, we don't. We've come here to be taught like children. Do you remember what the devil said? He said, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world, for they have been handed over to me. Who handed them over to him? Adam. How many know there is a shortcut to your temporal success? You can bow down and worship the devil and get what's... You can get what God has planned for you without dying. You just can't keep it. See, the devil knew that Jesus could beat him. So God weakened Jesus till he was starving 40 days. No food, no water. Remember, this is a human. Until he looked really weak. Then the Lord said, Hey, devil, would you come in here and talk to Jesus? How many of you know that the Spirit didn't draw the devil into the wilderness to kill Jesus? He brought the devil into the wilderness so Jesus could defeat him. <laughs> Remember, Luke points out, that Jesus went into the wilderness led by the Spirit and left in the power of the Spirit. And you know, Jesus did no miracles until he left, until he beat the devil in the wilderness. Some of you were in the wilderness, and you're like, God's trying to kill me. The devil's trying to kill me. Someone's trying to kill me. They're both trying to kill you. I love what T.D. Jakes said. He said, Goliath wasn't sent to David to kill him. He was sent to him to reveal him. How many know that 1 Samuel 17 is the story of David and Goliath? 1 Samuel 14 is the story of David being an anointed king. But how many know nobody knew that he could be a king because he was a kid until he killed Goliath? You know the giants that are in your life? They're not there to destroy you. They're there to reveal you. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.